Hello and welcome to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. We got all three of us today. The three amigas. We... (laughs) Again, always have wonderful guests on. But before we go into the introduction of who our guest is, Joe is going to remind us of our show's purpose. Yeah, the show's purpose is to uh, expose Rotarian and non-Rotarians to service opportunities. And how we do that is have amazing guests on, like Leslie. We're excited to have you on. And um, they tell great stories, share their experiences uh, what what groups that they're affiliated with, um, and then how they got introduced to service. It's always really uh, inspiring for those that are either serving and need a little shot in the arm to get going or somebody that's looking for service. I love that shot in the arm. <laughs> it's always different too. I'm like, oh, that's that was a good one, Joe. This was a good one. Nice job. So Joe gave us just a little snippet of who our guest is today, but I will formally introduce her. We have Leslie Pitt on. She is the p- founder of Project Lolo. We're so excited to have you on. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you. And it sounds like you are your um Meeting us from San Diego, correct? I am from the Marina, San Diego, and at a conference. So I wish I could say I was here on vacation, but I'm not. So happy to be here. <laughs> well, um, thank you for carving out time to hop on as a guest for Searching for Service. Really, in this first um, segment of our show, we always like to get to know our guests. So we know that you like to travel, even even though this is for. Um, professional reasons, but let's first start off with where did you grow up? I grew up in the Twin Cities. Um, okay. we, my family and I moved around the Midwest, but really landed in the Twin Cities when I was in junior high. Uh, so one of the Northeast suburbs, went to Irondale High School and uh, went to St. Olaf for my undergrad. So, oh, ooh, the, My- the Mayak Division. I know the Mayak Division very well. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> Maybe we had chatted about that before, Leslie. I think we may have. <laughs> Leslie and I go way back. Um, that's story for another day. But um, And so we have you on as our guest um, to talk about the um, the foundation that you have, which is Project Lolo. And so can you share with our guests... What is Project Lolo? Project Lolo is a global nonprofit, and our primary mission is to provide access to orthopedic care and devices to kids in developing countries. Our secondary function is to provide access to educational materials such as books or different curricula that focuses on inclusive and diverse education. How we work is we partner with clinics that are in-country who serve the children that we ultimately serve. So our first and longest clinical partner is in Ghana, West Africa, and they have been there since 1975, and we were just fortunate to connect with them and really liked the work that we do. Uh, We are developing more clinical partnerships, I'm excited to say, in Uganda and secondarily in Kenya. Beautiful. Uganda is a real popular place for Rotary. I can tell you that. We were just talking about that. We've had several guests on uh, that have done service work there in a you know yeah. myriad of different ways, and um, some of the larger. So it's it's kind of fun to see that connective mm-hmm. uh, tissue between all of those things. Yeah. And so for our listeners, Leslie, you are you a Rotarian? I am. I am part of the Minneapolis University Rotary Club. When so did, go ahead. I, I joined about a year ago, um, and how and why I joined Rotary is my dad was Rotarian back in the 70s, okay. and so through the service projects that he and his friends did then, it just really opened my eyes to the greater world and the greater good that we can do in the world. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, when my dad was Rotarian back in the 70s, I don't think women could be Rotary members. That is so, correct, yeah. Right? And even my parents were in JCs, and so my dad was in JCs, and my mom was in Mrs. JCs. Um, so when I was really looking for a network, a club to join, you know, going back to knowing the global scope of the Rotary, the history of Rotary, and what it's done with the, you know, with polio, and just really the rich mm-hmm. history of doing good in the world is really why I was drawn to 
Rotary and ultimately I'm glad to be part of it. Well, we're, we're happy to have a fellow Rotarian on. So, and, and what we're finding too about a lot of Rotarians is that they have passions in many different areas, um, whether it be just community in itself or a different, um, a different path, such as the foundation that you have started, um, Mm -hmm. yourself. So. Yeah, I think that's definitely the common theme, right? You know, mm-hmm. and it just seems like you, you come together as like-minded people who just you know, want to do service projects or service above self. And I think it's just a really great community yeah. globally of like-minded thinkers and doers. Do you remember your first service project with Rotary? Um, the first one, and it's only been a year, um, was just helping out with Feed My Starving Children. Oh, very and cool. Yep. So, yeah, right. Another great organization. So, and as go ahead. Leslie, I was just going to ask. So, when um, when your father was a part of Rotary, um, mm-hmm. did you ever do any any service projects alongside him? Absolutely, absolutely. So okay. we lived in New Ulm, Minnesota, at the time. Yeah, and uh, small town, and mm-hmm. really was sort of the idyllic growing up situation at that you know, in the seventies and my parents owned a couple of restaurants and all of their friends were business owners. And so one of the first things that I remember helping out was what was called heritage fest and it's no longer, but it was in the summer and it was this huge party, if you will. So they had German polka bands and, you know, Noam has a very, you know, history rich in German heritage mm-hmm. and, um, and so helping with the, the food tent where they served brats and sauerkraut. And, of course, you know, my brother and I both always wanted to help our parents in the restaurant or, in this case, with the food, the food stand that was, I think, probably our first official rotary service project. Not cool. sure how much we really did other than probably got into our parents' ways, but, you know, we thought we were helping. Eat a few brats, <laughs> have a couple beers. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Shell's Beer Breweries down there. So, yeah. you know, definitely <laughs> represented. I'm kidding. <laughs> did um, So I don't know if I asked you this um, when we first met, but is your heritage, are you, is, is your background German? Like, are you German? My dad's side and then my mom's okay. side of the family is Scandinavian. Okay. I was going to say, there's yeah. got to be Norwegian in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, that's the reason I asked. So. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> nice. Any questions, guys? What was your journey to uh, starting the, the nonprofit? Great question. So Project Lola was probably years in the making without me really knowing it. So when I was in college... I wanted to do Peace Corps and really had a desire to go to Africa. And I don't know why other than it just really seemed like, you know, a different world. And I didn't go into the Peace Corps ultimately because I have a prosthetic leg. So when I graduated in college, from college in 1990, you know, this is pre-cell phone era. This is pre-internet era. And frankly, I was a little nervous about being placed somewhere for a couple of years through the Peace Corps and not really knowing like what would I do if my prosthetic leg broke down and you know mm-hmm. the reality of it. So fast forward, I just got involved with other sort of work through helping people with limb loss. So I was on the board of directors for the amputee coalition for a number of years and did a lot of work with the Transportation Safety Administration and getting um, insurance parity laws passed and really felt like I had done some good work. And I think I just sort of kept thinking there's more. There's a bigger world. I was proud of the work that I was able to be part of here in the U.S. and just really kept thinking there's this bigger world that needs help. So ultimately, I took a bit of a hiatus from the OMP, the orthotic and prosthetic world, and um, spent a summer studying in Geneva, Switzerland, and got a graduate certificate in global health and human rights from the University of Geneva's medical school. And it was there that I just met my people and really understood the world. And I shouldn't say that. Understood that there, there are so many other opportunities to help. Mm-hmm. And I came across a report from the UN that was talking about people with disabilities and really what's happening to them globally. And there was a specific paragraph that I read about children. And children in many parts of the world, because of their disabilities, are denied basic human rights. So 
right to life in some cases, right to education, right to healthcare, right to dignity, the list goes on. As somebody who lost my leg when I was six, I was just stumped by that, really thinking I had never, that, that was not my experience. And I thought I had to do something about it. I knew, or I really thought, you know, if that would have been me in 1975, any other part of the world, I was run over by a gravel truck, I wouldn't have survived. As a little girl, if I was living in Ghana or Guatemala, I would never have had the educational opportunities. I would never have been able to become a nurse and then ultimately a lawyer. And just everything that I've achieved educationally and professionally, I would have been denied to me because of my disability. And so I, I really, after spending the summer in Geneva, thought I want to partner with Save the Children or UNICEF, or there certainly had to be organizations who were helping children with disabilities, specifically limb loss. And finding that there were none, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. And so I'm one of those people who just thinks, build it and they will come. <laughs> so, ultimately, <laughs> so ultimately, after a trip to Ghana, my brother and I went to sort of do a due diligence and really understand this particular clinic and really to understand the, the the breadth and the gravity of what's happening to children with disabilities, specifically in Ghana. I mean, we just saw a handful of children, but we came back and we said, yeah, this is big. This is bigger than we realized. And we knew that we can't, you know, the thing with doing this sort of work is you can't help everybody as much as we want. And so mm -hmm. you help one child at a time. At a time. Leslie, so ultimately, Leslie. yeah, so we... Can I can I hit pause for just a second because we're just about to wrap up with the segment, but, but let's save this for the rest of okay. this for the next segment. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know. So sorry. That's okay. okay. No worries. As a reminder, you are listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk, and I'm Chad Larson. We'll be back. Yeah, we forgot to tell. Rotary is a place for all community-minded people who want to serve their areas with the support of an international organization. Join Rotary to find service. Join Rotary to find inclusion. Join Rotary to find leadership. Join Rotary to find fun. Join Rotary to find friendship. Join Rotary to find a better version of the world. Find a Rotary Club near you at rotary.org and click on Club Finder. There is a club out there for everyone. Find your fit with Rotary. Rotary.org. For decades, eradicating polio worldwide has been Rotary's cornerstone cause. We are incredibly close to ridding the globe of this virus, but we need everyone's help to get us to the goal. World Polio Day is October 24th. Please consider making a new donation to Polio Plus or increasing your already generous giving. Go to npolio.org to be a part of this historical eradication of polio. You will help get vaccinations to the most remote parts of our world and help fulfill a promise we made to end polio now. Two drops and it stops. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. We are rolling into segment two of Searching for Service with our guest, Leslie Pitt. She's the founder of Project Lolo. And we very rudely had to um, cut her off in the last <laughs> segment. And so we uh, would radio. Yeah, we would love for you to continue um, sharing that um, that that segment with us. Yeah, the so, journey. Yeah. So the journey in starting Project Lola was really because of my own experience with living with limb loss, as, which resulted when I was six. And when I recognized that children in so many parts of the world are denied basic human rights, whether right to life, right to education, right to health care, the list goes on, I knew that I wanted to do something about it. And so I reached out to Save the Children and to UNICEF, thinking, certainly, they're helping these kids. After I found out that they help all kids in all crises, but there's no really no organization really helping in the way that we help, I just thought, let's build it and they will come. Yeah. And so our model is a little bit different. There are a lot of organizations that work with donated prosthetic parts, so prosthetic feet, prosthetic knees, whatever it may be, or donated wheelchairs, crutches. And so what's unique about us is that we partner with the clinics that already have the infrastructure, they already have the clinicians, they already have the, the workshops that can build the, the prosthetic limbs or the orthotic devices, or can even in some cases 
build crutches out of wood. Um, and so thinking about sustainability was crucial in starting Project Lowell because I, I knew as a child myself who grew up with going through multiple prosthetic limbs, you know, anytime I had a growth spurt, like children grow th- go through shoes and clothes, so mm-hmm. do their needs for their assistive devices. So I really wanted to have that sort of primary foundational structure with that already existing clinic or workshop or whatever it is. And, and so really our first partner in Ghana, West Africa, does have an extensive workshop where they do build the prosthetic parts, or excuse me, prosthetic limbs for children. Um, The partnerships that we're ultimately looking at in in Uganda are a little bit different. The one in Uganda is an orphanage that is finding that they have a lot of children with limb loss because of the work that they do in the sugarcane fields. And they're ultimately losing limbs because they're injured with machetes as they're cutting the sugar cane and ultimately oh, wow. lose their limbs, right? Think about that um, next time you have your frosted flakes, huh? No <laughs> Absolutely. Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so I think that's what makes us unique is that we have these partnerships and we here in the U.S. raise the money and then make the donations to the organizations. They ultimately choose which children get fit with a prosthetic limb or the wheelchair or whatever it is. We wanted to sort of be out of that decision making mm-hmm. um, for, for a lot of reasons. But if somebody says, I'm going to donate $500 for a prosthetic limb, we give it with that earmark. And then they ultimately decide which child gets uh, gets the money or even they're able to help several children a lot, a lot of times with the donations. That's fabulous. Yeah. Can you share a story that really impacted you? Maybe, maybe of a story of Project Lolo's uh, impact, like that really struck you and kind of keeps you going. Yeah. Yeah. Great question, Joe. When my brother and I first went to Ghana, we had a couple phone calls with the woman who runs the organization before we traveled, and she shared with us a story of a little guy who was six months old at the time, and he was born with underdeveloped tibia and fibula in his lower legs. So even though he had legs with flesh and bones, whatever the condition was he had, they would never be functional. Ultimately, for his benefit, he would have to go undergo bilateral above-knee amputation so that he could be fit with prosthetic limbs. Unfortunately, in the village where he lived, it was a rural village, a very poor village, where they believe in the practice of spirit children. And this is a common practice, unfortunately, in so many parts of Africa and other parts of the world, where if children are born with some sort of disability, uh, it's perceived that perhaps the child is a witch or there's some sort of evil force that came in to cause this disability. And a lot of times what happens, and in the case of this child's village, is he was going to be given to a witch doctor who would knowingly brew a tea of poisonous herbs, give it to the baby. If the baby survived, then the disability wasn't because of evil spirits. If the baby died, then ultimately there was some sort of evil force. His mother, of course, fearing for the life of her baby and herself, fled and ultimately ended up at the clinic that we work with in Ghana. And when I first was talking to the woman who runs the orthopedic training center, she told me about Kobe and the story and really about this concept of called spirit children. And he, after we met him, um, there's a photo of me holding a baby and that's him at about six months old. About six months after we were there, he underwent bilateral amputation above me, both limbs. He was our first, he was the first child who um, Project Lola was able to help. So his very first limbs, and I'm sorry, I get goosebumps, but his first walking limbs were provided with the funds that we were able to donate. And and then to see photos of him and video of him just being a little guy, and he's now... (laughs) you know, six years old and seeing him running and playing and the smile on his face and just the thought that if we could change just one child's life, then we've done it all. You know, I mean, if Project Lola were to end today, just knowing that we helped him is enough. Right. And it's just, I I think when I, I, when I really think about how easy it is to help and easy in terms of the money, I mean, it costs about $500 us for, one prosthetic limb for a child in this 
with our clinical partner in Ghana, it's mind boggling. And, and yeah. really, <laughs> the tr- right, right. And, and not to minimize, but when I first heard the number, I'm like, oh my gosh, like any given weekend, I probably spend that much at Target and running, you know, Trader Joe's. And, you know, of, co- of course, it's apples and orangutans are not even too related items. But when you think about the value, the, the amount of money that it costs to change a child's life, mm-hmm. it was just humbling. And so that is what I absolutely compels me to keep giving and going and realizing if we can just help children literally get out of the village, get out of their homes, whatever it is that constricts them because of not having limbs or not having a wheelchair, and they can get to school, they can get somewhere, their life is changed. And so I think that, you know, I think about him, I have his picture on my on my laptop, I have a photo in my office, and just seeing him and the other kids, uh, it, it just c- continually propels me to keep doing more and to really grow Project Lolo into what I believe will be. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a hard time not getting emotional thinking about that. And Leslie, you know that Joe and I have a six, almost seven month old. And so the fact that you shared that and it's, it's a, it was a child that was right at the same age as Maddie. I'm I'm sorry to get a little personal, but it hits home, right? It It really does. And then you, and then you find out the, the cost comparison too, of like how much it costs here in the United States. Um, and that like, you know, the currency exchange there, if you will. It's like, you're right. It's mind boggling to use your words. Well, and it was Absolutely. so, it was so gr- wonderful hearing your story because now I understand the connections between things. Cause like I was reading a little bit about the, the group and I'm like, I wonder what the connection is here. And, yeah. you know, sharing your personal story. I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, that, that makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, and it's, it it, you know, I, I don't share it a lot. I mean, you know, I mean, and I think about that because it's not about me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not about me, but yet I, I know the walk. I've walked the walk. I've talked the talk. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like a child to live with a disability in Guatemala or Ghana or any other part of the world, but I do know what it's like to be that child who's just wants to be seen for being mm-hmm. a child and not mm-hmm. being disabled or an amputee or whatever yeah. labels are put upon us. And, uh, you know, as, as I talk more about Project Lolo and moving forward, I feel like it's not selfish because I was given the gift. I mean, to me, I feel like everything that I've experienced because of losing a limb has never been disabling, right? I mean, there's been so many experiences. I would never have started Project Lolo. I would never be here talking to you had I not lost my leg. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's selfish if I'm able to share that story. And that's the reason why I pay it forward. Well, it's a unique gift to be able to be a conduit between the two, like between us who have no idea. We don't have any mm-hmm. idea what it's like. And then say kids in Ghana that are dealing with it. I mean, you have a very unique perspective where you've kind of tiptoed in both in both mm-hmm. camps. And it, in the way that you articulate it, it's phenomenal. I mean – I, your story is incredible. You should tell your story more often because it's yeah. it's really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and I think, you know, I feel so, like I said, very fortunate. And I don't say that in a sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm genuine when I say how fortunate I feel. And I just feel like my value as a human is no greater, right? Because I live here and because I was brought up in these circumstances. And how selfish would it be for me to just say, oh, I have this great life in the U.S. and I've never been denied a prosthetics or anything like that because of my disability that it it doesn't it just doesn't bode well with me and so I'm just one of these people who believes that you know one good act just begets a billion good acts and so Mm -hmm. all I can say is I just often think about how lucky I am that I survived my accident how lucky I was to have the family who raised me and really just really always said go just do whatever it is Mm -hmm. um my father passed away in February this year, and the last few months of his life, he lived with me. And as bittersweet as it was, we had the opportunity to spend time together. I, I mean, I was mm-hmm. always very close to my dad, always. And I really learned in those last couple months how, as a parent, I mean, also for my mom, you know, like he said, when you had your accident, that was the hardest thing that we went through. And he oh. said it was the hardest thing, right, for a father to see his daughter, you know, ultimately lose her limb. And then, you know, growing up, I mean, it, 
it wasn't, it's not something I'd ever wish on anybody. I was teased. I was bullied, but we're all teased and bullied about whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever is different. Right. I mean, that's common to all of this, but my dad said, you know, I've never, I never would have imagined that you would pay it forward with, you know, in ways that you have. It's not going to cry. So yeah, it's just, it's, I, I just feel very fortunate to be able to do this and to just see the vision and where I believe it'll go. Mm. Well, we're definitely fortunate that we get to have you on the show. So. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you. Thank you. We are, we're going to roll into the next segment here, Leslie, and um, got so much more to cover. So stay tuned, everyone. As a reminder, you are listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. We'll be back. Of the things we think, say, or do. Is it the truth? Is it fair to walk Rotary to serve your community and the world with honesty, fairness, and goodwill. Our four-way test guides our actions every day. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? These values underpin our commitment to making a positive impact on the world. Learn more about your local Rotary Club and stop searching and start serving. And the song you're hearing now was performed by Rotary Club of Dar es Salaam Oyster Bay. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concern? Will it build good? Will it better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? When we pay it forward, it will be returned. Join Rotary to serve your community and the world with honesty, fairness, and goodwill. Our four-way test guides our actions every day. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? These values underpin our commitment to making a positive impact on the world. Learn more about your local Rotary Club and stop searching and start serving. And the song you're hearing right now was performed by the Rotary Club of Saskatoon, Natuna in Canada. When we pay it forward, it will be returned. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. And as a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. And? You can find us by looking us up by searching for Searching for Service. (laughs) (laughs) I just always want to say it that way. Oh, man. It's like programmed. It's so bad. And what else, Chad? You can also find us on YouTube. At Searching for Service. Give us some five-star reviews. <laughs> I would love likes, five stars, and sharing. Especially on this part of the podcast. Let's highlight this one. We have really zero fun on notch. this podcast, by the way. Zero fun. All right. I'm going to pass it over to you, Joe. Yeah, Leslie, I think something really fun to talk about is how people can get involved in Project Lolo because I think that that's something that – I mean – it's so easy to get inspired by your story, especially if, if anybody's been, you know, uniquely impacted the way that you have that inspires them, right? And, I mean, it inspires me, too. So how do people get involved? I think people can get involved by visiting our website, um, liking us on social media, just following our stories, following the, the stories of children that we are ultimately going to start sharing. Um, certainly donations help. You know, I don't. I, I, I sort of am not a great fundraiser and, you know, a nonprofit founder because it's not, although I want to be able to help more kids, I also want people to come at it holistically and genuinely. And mm-hmm. so sure. if people, yeah, so I feel like if people understand the stories behind the children and the realities of what these children are facing, maybe it has a different dimension of giving. And so it's about educating. And so if people go to our website and read about the statistics and, you, you know, 
like us, like I said, like our social media, um, ultimately some of the stories that we're going to start sharing are really about these kids who are often discarded because of their societies, right? Because of their disability. And what I want to show the world is that they are some of, I mean, they are, in my opinion, the strongest, most resilient children I've ever met, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and that's how I want the world to see these kids and to see them not for their disability, but just for who they are and how strong they are for overcoming what they've done. Um, so, yeah, I think just kind of becoming aware of us and talking about us. We do fundraisers. We do different events, more educational opportunities upcoming. Very cool. Yeah. We'll put we'll put all that information on our show page as well to okay. to be able to reach out and get in touch with you. Um, I mean, what it, what are your hopes and aspirations for the partnership of your organization and say Rotary? I mean, I, it it goes together so well. I mean, I'm sure that's part of the reason why you joined. Hand in hand. Absolutely, and that was a big factor for me ultimately joining joining Rotary and finding a club. I, I mean, it is that global scope, and it is that global scope of doing good in the world that Rotary is known for. I ultimately would love, you know, opportunities for grants and and even more exposure. Um, you know, certainly some of the things that I would like to see happen is ultimately going to the United Nations and talking about what is happening to these children, you know, mm -hmm. some of the human rights violations that, although illegal in their countries, they're still happening. And to be able wow. to share that. And so I think having the support of Rotary, you know, through funding and exposure only gives us a little more credibility as well as, a, I think, a, a firmer backbone by which to make these arguments and share these stories. Well, and there's such an opportunity for you, too, to kind of run alongside of so many other projects that are happening. Like there's tons of projects that are happening in healthcare and food and, or uh, food and water and sanitation. All of those things are really linked together to kind of basic human needs, dignity and rights. And it just seems to really kind of fit in with some of that. And we've had guests on prior, um, like Brian from World Vision mm -hmm. and and things like that, where they're doing these projects of scale, and I just can't help but see this just fitting so well in mm -hmm. with that same thing because it's it's kind of just that next that next order of consequence as you keep coming mm -hmm. down into basic human needs. So, um, and it's it's really eye opening for us, like because I mean I don't I don't know a ton about the organization. I did a little bit of research before this, but. To your point, like there's just not enough, not enough people talking about it. Not mm -hmm. enough people saying, "Look at this problem." Like this is a real problem that hurts mm -hmm. kids that are in a position that are relatively powerless in that situation. To the point mm -hmm. where this mother ran and fled just to save her child. I mean, yeah. those are the type of situations that resonate so well with Rotary. Resonate so well with people. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. that have hearts. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. are you kidding me? And mm -hmm. um, so. You know, I just see so much opportunity uh, for your organization in yeah. partnership with Rotary in the future. It's just, it just goes so well to it. And I kind of, I kind of just like have a big smile on my face thinking about the like opportunities in the future for mm -hmm. Project Lolo because there, there really are so many. Like, go back through the index, the Rolodex, I should say, of all of our um, shows. And you can probably, I mean, Brian Gower is yeah, one yeah, of I'm the, like, probably geez. like one of the best connection points for you. But my yeah. question for you is, uh, my follow up question to that is what sort of research have you done in becoming a, a Rotarian, being a part of a Rotary Club, and how you, like there could like the grants that are in place. Have you done any research in in that respect for how there could be partnerships with Project Lolo? That's a great question. Definitely, I've started looking into the different global grants, okay. and then just different the just how the grant donation system works, and sort of you know the for lack of a better term, the rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. You're just kind of learning, you know, what are the different grant opportunities and then what are the focus points for each of those grants? You know, is it maternal <clears throat> child health? Is it child health? Is it human right. rights? You know, just really trying yeah. to find what are those niche grant opportunities that align with what we're doing? Hmm. Uh, you know, and to the point, 
Joe, about human rights. I mean, it's so fundamental, right? And so much of the work that Rotary has done and continues to do and with Rotarians across the globe. And there's a synergy. I mean, even though we're serving kids, you know, with this capacity, there's no reason that we can't partner with another organization. I mean, the the need is so great, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody once told me early on that you can never do more good in the world. Like there's always the opportunity to do more good. And by partnering with other organizations or whatever it may be, it just magnifies the work that you do individually and collectively. Yeah. And I have to say, like, in in talking through all of this, the piece that I completely underestimated in all of this was like the human rights violation component of it, right? Like mm-hmm. where they're just treated as a second class citizen or not at all. Right. And you know, usually you just think, boy, you got a you've got a handicap that you know ostracizes you sometimes in in your your culture or your community, and you just kind of deal with that, but. Literally yeah. not being treated as a human. I just never thought of that. And it, that's the part that kind of sticks with me a little bit is going, huh. And and, and it's fixable. It's right. fixable. It, it is absolutely fixable. And, and it, it absolutely is. And I think that, you know, to one of your earlier questions, like what keeps me going, not only the children that we've helped, but how easy it is and how fixable it is. You know, mm-hmm. also to what you were just saying, a lot of children, again, in these countries, when they're born with a disability, they're not even given a birth number. So a lot of different countries, you know, when children are born are assigned a birth number. They're not even deemed to be a human and are not assigned a birth number. So even the scope of children with disabilities, I don't know that we really know the real numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Because the the field research that's been done is probably just people who are on the ground. But when you really think about it, if children aren't given a birth number or not even acknowledged as a human being and then ultimately put into the registries at the ministries of health or departments of health or whatever the, you know, the organizing bodies that retain this information, we don't really know what's happening. And, and mm. to that very point, they're not even deemed worthy of being acknowledged as a human. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm not so naive to think that we can change centuries of thousands of years of culture, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not thinking that we can change the whole practice because that's not, that's not how I want to spend my energy. That's not how Project Lola wants to spend our energy. But if we can just, again, educate and let people know, because I, I did not know about what was happening to kids until I started Project Lola, until I, until I started doing the research and as I've been in this world. And again, it's just, we just need to know. And hopefully the more that we know, the more that we talk to, talk about it, the less it'll happen and the more opportunities for children to just be children. And well, well, and like you said earlier, I mean, helping one is worth it, <laughs> at the right. end, let alone many. And so, yeah. you know, when you start to try to quantify it, it's, it's difficult to do because it can become so demoralizing quickly when you know – I mean it's the same thing in any sort of philanthropy. I mean we're never going to outsize the need in some of this stuff and that's just the reality of the world that we mm-hmm. live in and our job is just to do the best that we can and right. you know – <laughs> Not to switch gears super fast, but I'm going to switch gears really quick. And I keep going. And we've got about a minute left on this segment is, how did you come up with the name? Lolo. Great question. Great question. Yeah. So Lolo stands for love ourselves, love others. Oh, okay. L-O-L-O. Backwards, it stands for one life, one limb. And that's really my homage Aww. to my own experience. Oh, living. Okay. What, um, so when I thought of a name and I kind of knew the gravity and really – what's going on. I wanted to have a name that was uplifting and bright and had a meaning behind it. And Lolo really stands for, you know, whatever we accept about ourselves and love and accept about ourselves. And once we do that, I feel like we can be more loving and accepting of others. Mm. Mm. That's pretty cool. Perfect. Nice job, Leslie. <laughs> I, was, I, was wait, I was waiting for like my, my first dog I had when I was growing up yeah, was named no. Lolo. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, much it's, it's, more. So much more. Yeah. That's really incredible. Well, I think um, just to kind of spin off into our next segment coming up here, Leslie, we'll focus on the future the future of Project Lolo and maybe a little bit more in that connection point with Rotary as well. So as a reminder, you are listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. We'll be back. 
Are you ready to make a difference in your community? Rotary is a great place to get involved in your community and meet passionate groups of people, as well as individuals dedicated to service and fellowship. At Rotary, we believe in the power of teamwork to bring positive change. As a member, you will have the opportunity to participate in exciting projects that address local and global challenges. From supporting educational initiatives to environmental conservation, we tackle it all. Joining a Rotary Club means becoming part of a diverse family of individuals who share a passion for giving back and having fun while making positive impact. With projects and events that enrich your community, there's something for everyone, from local initiatives to international collaborations. It doesn't matter what culture or country you come from. What matters is that you want to belong to a group that strengthens communities and creates lasting change. There's a place for everyone at Rotary, regardless of age or background. Learn more by searching for a Rotary Club in your community and visiting. Together, let's make a difference. Rotary People of Action. Hello, and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. As a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms and... Look us up by... Inputting searching for service. Gosh, <laughs> I'm I'm fired from this. It's literally. But you Richard, say you right say there. you can find us. So then I would have to say, look, you can find us again. So that's what trips me up. So <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm fired. I'm just gonna fire <laughs> myself. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> You're gonna have to take it over, Kelly. Oh my gosh, I'm going to <laughs> just type in. Searching for service wherever you're getting your podcasts or on YouTube. There it is. 100% Done. better. Look at that. There we go. Wow. Okay, so if Blind you're Squirrel t- finds a nut every once in a while. <laughs> if you're tuning in for the first time, we have, which is sad because we're now in our last segment here. Disappointing if you're listening for the first time. Hey, you never know what people are doing. Well, it's okay. Whatever. So uh, <laughs> we have Leslie Pitt, who is the founder of Project Lolo on. And in this last segment for our um, Searching for Service show, we're going to talk about the future of Project Lolo um, and how you see it right now, Leslie. And that obviously could change. But or what, I, I have a question yeah. too is how sure. has it evolved already? Because has it been five years or six years you've been yeah. uh, doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been around for five years. Uh, certainly took a break during the pandemic, like the whole world stood still, right? Mm-hmm. But it also, that pause gave us opportunity to really reflect on where we want to go and strategize. And now that everybody, you know, starting to kind of reemerge, there's mm-hmm. like a new energy too. And it's, mm-hmm. I, I feel very more focused really on how I want to see it go and where we're going to go with it. Do you have a vision board or something like that that you'd be willing to share? Like it's it's out there. It's like 10 years from now and you're like, mm-hmm. this is what this organization's going to be doing and what it's what it's all about. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have a vision board that has time frames, right? I have a vision board that has pictures and mm-hmm. I have pictures of children. I have pictures of the United Nations in Geneva. I have pictures of um, just imagery, right? Like yeah. different countries like sub-Saharan Africa and just, you know, images that really sort of fit who we are and, and really the children and the pictures of children are actually a lot of the kids that we've met and just these smiling faces. Um, so I, I'm probably not very good with, you know, having a really strategic plan. However, we have some new board membership where we have people who have a much stronger financial background and business development background than I do. And so we're really positioning ourselves to the future as a business, right? I mean, I started this nonprofit thinking I, with a business mentality that we do good work, but I want to expand it. I want to scale it up. And because, because of, you know, the reality of, of the work that we can do. Mm-hmm. So certainly having somebody come on board who has that very, very wealthy background just as a CFO in a global organization who also has a passion for helping kids with limb loss is, is just the perfect timing. I mean, I'm a strong proponent wow. in trusting the, the timing of our lives. You know, mm-hmm. things... I'm probably one of the most impatient people that you'll ever meet. I, I and, and I certainly have learned that, you know, I have a time frame in my head when things should happen and it, you know, very, it should be very, very quick and, but it doesn't. And so 
when things five years later present themselves, then I have that aha moment, like, okay, now is when we're ready to grow. And so certainly as I look to the future, I look to, you know, really driving this forward as that sort of for-profit business mentality, but with this philanthropic Mm -hmm. do good perspective. Sure. You're not going to be like Jim Carrey and carry around a $10 million check in your pocket for 15 years until he... Like, Until he had that, yeah. I no, that was I, I probably should though, right? <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I I think of I think of for you, like it'd be really cool, like to be at the United Nations presenting, accepting a fifty million dollar global grant from something. Ooh, <laughs> it was put out into the universe, yeah. Leslie. Yeah, I got goosebumps with that one. It, but yeah. no, I, I, you know, without I mean, there's a project that I'm working on. I'm just going to kind of keep it under wraps. Yeah, but it's very much you know, that I think we'll take it to the next level. Um, mm. It's about sharing some of the stories um, in a way that probably hasn't been done. Um, so as I, 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 that vision is so clear. I mean, that vision immediately came into my head and it's amazing how now that I've started working on it, like anything, it just falls into place. Um, well, so, when it's when it's up and running, we'll have you back on and you can share. Uh-huh. So for all the, all the listeners, they're going to be like, we're dying to know what this is yeah. all about. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Excellent. How about you? What uh, what do you see for your future in terms of um, your role with the organization, or do you have aspirations to do more? Absolutely. I mean, my vision for myself is to be able to do this full time. I mean, mm. I have a, a day job that pays mm-hmm. the bills, and you know that's the reality. Somebody once told me you can't live on life and love. True. And so, you know, I mean, yeah. And, but it's also okay to do this kind of work and to be compensated for it. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you look at these other organizations, like, I mean, save the children, UNICEF. I mean, people do get paid to do this type of work. And so my goal is to definitely shift at some point to be able to take that leap of faith and just do it, you know, and just trust. Because I just feel like every time that I put effort into it and time, it just, the universe opens up Mm -hmm. a thousand fold, right? And I've often thought that, you know, for every hour that I put into it, yeah, I just get hours back of return. And so how wonderful would it be if I could do this, you know, full time? That I definitely see, you know, that's definitely part of the vision. Um, You know, I, I certainly appreciate professional careers that I've had. I've had a very rich career with, you know, in healthcare and law, but there's nothing that's felt so true, you know, so easy, Mm -hmm. you know, and, Mm -hmm. and again, I'm, I'm such a proponent of different quotes, but you know, there's some, there's a quote, like if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. And it's starting this absolutely true. I, I wrote a children's book about five years ago, same thing. And it's like the two together, that's it, you know? And, and so you know, everything takes time, like I said, and I trust that timing and it'll, it'll happen when the timing is right. Mm-hmm. I do think that, you know, you mentioned that you don't love telling your story sometimes or that you don't, mm-hmm. I would uh, challenge Shout you from the to do exactly the opposite because I think yeah. your story is really amazing and it's shaped, shaped you and shaped why you do what you do. And it helps people like, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't fully understand what the organization was about and like your connection until you shared that story. And the moment you shared the story, I'm like, Oh, well, duh. Yeah. This is amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. of course that's the connection. Of of course that's, that's, you know, there's some, there's some real strong ties to real things inside of you versus like Mm -hmm. I was in a country, I saw this and I didn't like it. It's, it's, it Mm -hmm. was more like, I know what they're feeling. I know what they're experiencing. I understand. There's, there's the sympathy, but there's the true empathy. Like I'm, like you said, I'm walking the walk. Like I've, I've been there, I've done it and experienced all of the stuff that you're um, experiencing, the emotions and what have you. So yeah. How often do you get to go over and see some of the impact that you guys are having? So we've been there. So we've been twice. Uh, we had two trips planned during the pandemic or right at the start of the pandemic canceled. Uh, we had another trip planned uh, about a year ago um, canceled because of some family health issues. So I, I hate to even say when our next trip will be because <laughs> I'm just going to book it and just take off and be like, hi, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, we're here. Yeah, you know, yep. Hi. Hello. Yep. 
Um, so certainly, you know, and that's something too, now that the world is opening up, um, I do, I mean, within a, a year from now, so my, my words, what is it? October 6th, 2023, I mean, a year from now, I will have been to Africa and yeah. back, mm-hmm. um, at least once, if not twice. Well, an interesting challenge that I have for you too, is to use your leverage with Rotary and maybe bring some people with you and absolutely, yeah, I, and really open, open yeah, people's eyes and. I think that's a really wonderful opportunity to mm-hmm. share that. Mm-hmm. Kelly will sign up. <laughs> I was literally, I was literally just saying, um, Sorry. Leslie, I'll, uh, I'll join you. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause we've talked about that. Like people, so many people have expressed interest, like what can we do to help? And it's, mm-hmm. again, it's, it, it's, it's not like we go and build things, right? It's not like mm-hmm. we go and fit children with prosthetics cause we don't have the skill set, right? Like, so yeah. it's what, what is it that we can do to help and not go there and sort of just be spectators, right? So there's that finding what are those opportunities, because I do believe that there are some. And, uh, you know, certainly I, as one of the things that I want to start exploring more is going into some of the orphanages. Yeah. Um, and because it, I think that's something that I, I've only seen some exposure on media through AP News and such. Um, but there are a lot of orphanages that are just something that I, I want to see what the reality is. And again, it's not to shame the people who run the orphanages and sort of the infrastructure that they have, but to also sort of show the world, like, this is what's happening. This is what we can create awareness, do to help. You yeah. know, so maybe yeah. it, it create awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Change the conditions for these kids. Well, you, you have definitely created a lot of awareness yeah. around Project Lolo for us, and it's been really special having you on the show. It so has, thank, you thank you so much. We're Project so honored to have you. The website. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll make sure to get the the website in there, and then social media platforms as well, Leslie. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning thank in. Thank you for to, having me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk, and I'm Chad Larson. It's time to stop searching and start searching. We'll see you next time.